The majority of our popular emigrant songs were written in the latter part of the last century in the wake of the mass exodus which followed the famine years. Some of the more maudlin still retain their popularity at misty-eyed Irish-American gatherings. But perhaps the most enduring were written by a Clareborn comedian come clown. His songs were gay and witty and retained their freshness a hundred years later. The songs were composed by Johnny Patterson, the self-styled rambler from Clare. First of my courtship that ever was known I straight took my way to the county Tyrone Where among the pretty fair maids they used me well there And they called me the stranger and the rambler from Clare Twas then I enlisted in the town of Fermoyne But with so many masters I would not comply I deserted next morning, the truth I declare, and for Limerick Town started the Rambler from Clare. John Francis Patterson was born in the year 1840 in his father's roadside forge house in Kilbarron, on the outskirts of the village of Fecal in County Clare. Coincidentally, a close neighbour, Biddy Early, was soon to gain a very different type of fame. His father, Francis Patterson, a nailer gunsmith, was one of a family of nailers in the area, originally coming from the north of Ireland. Johnny's mother died after the birth of a fourth child, and within a year his father also died, causing the orphaned Patterson children to be put in the care of relatives. The two girls were sent to Killaloo, the younger son Frank was taken by an Ahulahan family in Fecal, and the three-year-old Johnny was sent to the home of his uncle Mark, also a nailer in Old Mill Street Ennis. Following family tradition, Johnny was apprenticed to the nailer's trade, but as the boy showed a great liking for music, his uncle enrolled him in the army as a drummer boy in 1854 when Johnny was 14. There were about 30,000 soldiers in Ireland at the time, scattered in posts all over the country. The most likely regiment for Johnny's army service as a drummer boy was the 63rd Foot, an infantry regiment based in Limerick. As a young boy growing up, Johnny had seen the worst effects of the famine and the scenes of poverty, misery and emigration in Ennis had made a deep impression upon his mind. They were in years to come to provide inspiration for many of his songs. But his childhood was not all sadness, for he was to write, characteristically too, a song about his youthful days in Ennis, about a shop known locally as a meeting place for the boys and girls of the town, the stone outside Dan Murphy's door. There's a sweet garden spot in our memory it's the place we were born in and reared Tis long years ago since we left it But return there we will if we're spared Our friends and companions of childhood Would assemble each night near a score Round Dan Murphy's shop and how often 
we've sat on the stone outside Dan Murphy's door. All those days in our hearts we will cherish, contented although we were poor. And the songs that we sung in the days we were young on the stone outside Dan Murphy's door. When our day's work was over, we'd meet there In the winter or springtime the same The boys and the girls all together They would join in some innocent game Dan Murphy would bring down his fiddle While his daughter looked after the store And the music did ring And sweet songs we'd sing On the stone outside at Murphy's door Back again will our thoughts often wander To the scenes of our old childhood's home And the friends and companions we left there It was poverty caused us to roam Since then in this life we have prospered But now still in our hearts we feel sore For memory will fly to the days now gone by And the stone outside at Murphy's door Those days in our hearts we will cherish Contented although we were poor And the songs that were sung In the days we were young On the stone outside Because of his army training, Johnny had become a competent musician and was an expert on the piccolo and drums. However, on the completion of five years' service, he looked for a way of leaving. His problem was solved when the circus of John Swallow came to town. He got a part-time job in the circus band and, with the money, bought himself out of his regiment for 20 pounds and joined up with the circus. It was the custom at the time with travelling shows to have benefit performances at which certain members of the company received all the takings to boost their earnings, and at the end of a cork engagement, Swallows gave one for the band. One of the bandsmen was asked to do a solo act as a novelty, and Johnny volunteered to tell some jokes and sing songs in the ring. The audience loved it and shouted for more. The circus boss watched the act and realised its potential. Next morning, the young Johnny was summoned to John Swallows' caravan and offered a job as a clown. Johnny accepted and signed a two-year contract which included two benefit performances and was to be billed as the Irish Singing Clown. One of the other acts was James and Selina Hickey, a brother and sister bareback riding duo from Scotland. John became friendly with these people and they encouraged him in his new role. During the following two seasons with Swallows, he experimented with his new act. He discarded the accepted costume of the circus clown to wear instead a neat tweed outfit with shamrocks embroidered on the sleeves and legs and a Celtic harp on his chest. Knee-linked white stockings, a cone-shaped hat and a drooping handlebar moustache completed his costume. Johnny's aim was to create a new style of clowning appealing to the audience through Irish songs and wit and although the people were at a low ebb from the effects of the famine and immigration, he maintained they had an inbuilt sense of humour and a readiness to laugh. When the show arrived in a town, Johnny would inquire what the local news was, who the local characters were 
and by the evening's performance would have composed a rhyme or story. Finding suitable songs hard to get, he began to write his own. One of his first songs was The Roving Irish Boy, the music of which has long since been lost. I am a roving Irish boy, I've seen some ups and downs, sirs, so to satisfy my mind, I've turned to be a clown, sirs. I was born in the County Clare, next door to Tipperary, where they'd make a threat of stare with a clout of a shillelagh. Johnny spoke fluent Irish and mixed colloquial expressions in Irish and English into a blend, understood and appreciated by the people. Many of his songs of this period have been lost, but a remaining example sung to a traditional air, the Dingle Puck Goat, gives an idea of his style. I made my approach to the own shop that owned him A bargain we struck without any display He said, if you leave me down twenty-two shillings I'll give you some counsel for going away This daring box spalpeen was reared on the mountains In the year 64 he first started the drill And some of his friends they were hung or transported Since then he's determined some blood for the spill All the bailiffs, the moguls and the caliphs All the shulers and rulers from Cork to Baghdad He'd make them cut capers to put in the papers With one puck from his horn, he would drive them all mad But the bright Saxon shilling, he never was willing He'd go to the polls for old Ireland to vote From a fight near relaxing, he was there for the action That warlike go that dingle puck now I fear, my good friends, that your patience I'm taxing. I hope you like hearing that in Swallows eventually left Ireland, and Johnny continued his act with Patty's and then Rizzarelli's circuses. In 1867, he appeared at the theatre Mary Street, Cork, with the Pablo Fank Circus. Pablo Fank, a Negro rope dancer whose real name was William Darby, offered the rising clown an engagement in Liverpool. Johnny sailed for Liverpool in 1869, where he found his old friends James and Selina Hickey booked on the same bill. By the end of the season, Johnny and Selina had fallen in love and had married in Liverpool. It was at this time that he wrote one of his best-remembered songs, The Garden Where the Praties Grow. Have you ever been in love, boys, or did you ever feel the pain? I'd rather be in jail myself than be in love again. Though the girl I loved was beautiful, I'd have you all to know that I met her in the garden where the praties grow. She was just the sort of creature that nature did intend to walk straight through the world without a Grecian bend. Nor did she wear a chignon, but I'd have you all to know that I met her in the garden where the praties grow. Says I, me pretty fair maid, I hope you'll pardon me But she wasn't like those city girls that would say you're making free She answered me right modestly and curtsied very low Saying you're welcome to the garden where the praties grow She was just the sort of creature that nature did intend To walk straight through the world without a Grecian bend now did she wear a chignon, but I'd have you all to know That I met her in the garden where the praties grow Then 
I told this putty Colleen I was tired of single life And if she'd no objections should I make her my dear wife Says she I'll ask me parents and tomorrow I'll let you know If you meet me in the garden where the babies grow She was just the sort of creature that nature did intend To walk straight through the world without a Grecian bend Now did she wear a chignon, but I'd have you all to know That I met her in the garden where the prairies grow In 1870, the Pattersons' first child, Bridget, was born. And in the following seasons, the Patterson family played with shows all over England. 1872 saw them at one of the biggest shows of the day, Lord George Sanger's Circus. But after the birth of their second daughter, Nora, they returned home to work in Ireland. In 1875, Johnny was clowned with Powell and Clark's circus. While returning to the field after the midday parade through the streets of Killarney, a wire was given to him telling that Selina, who had remained in Belfast, had given birth to a son. The jubilant father bought up all the seats for the matinee and brought the entire company on a boat trip on the lakes of Killarney to celebrate the event. The child was named Johnny Jr. That night... 1st of June, 1875, he added a fifth verse to his song, The Garden Where the Praties Grow. Oh, her parents, they agreed, and we're blessed with children three. Two girls like their mammy, and the boy the image of me. I'll train up the children in the way that they shall go, but I'll not neglect the garden where the morphies grow. By the age of 35, Johnny was a national success. A critic said, Endowed with the gift of repartee and a singing voice designed to bring about audience participation, he could hold audiences in his hands, making them laugh or cry. He had the test of a real clown, pathos on the verge of laughter, humour on the verge of tears. American circuses had long realised the audience potential that existed among the Irish emigrant population and were always on the lookout for new talent. Word of Johnny's act reached Cooper and Bailey's circus and an agent was sent to engage him. Realising that an opportunity like this might never again present itself, he signed a one-year contract. It's not clear what relationship existed between him and his wife at this stage, but on his departure for America, the three children were put in the care of his sister, Betty, now married in Killaloo, while Selina continued her own circus career. So in 1876, Johnny set out. The Conquer America. Oh, my name is Paddy Leary from a spot called Tipperary. The hearts of all the girls I am at home in. But before the break of morn, fate is they'll be all forlorn. For I'm off to Philadelphia in the morning with me bundle on me shoulder feathers no man could be bolder i'm leaving dear old island without warning for i lately took the notion for to cross the briny ocean and i start for philadelphia in the morning Told me I must leave the place 
I tried to keep a cheerful face For to show me heart's deep sorrow I was scorning But the tears will surely blind me For the friends I leave behind me When I start for Philadelphia in the morning But though me bundles on me shoulder And there's no man could be bolder Although I'm leaving now the spot that I was born in Yet someday I'll take the notion To come back across the ocean To my home in dear old Ireland In a The song Off to Philadelphia is not usually accredited to Johnny, but many of his contemporaries said that he did compose it. The words were revised and edited by Stephen Temple, who today is considered to be the writer. The travelling showman, Tommy Keenan, also claimed the song as his, as did two others, Hines and Fahey. But as the music and lyric are clearly in the Patterson style, and as reports inform us that he was singing it in the 1880s, it seems likely that it was, in fact, his composition. How lucky he must have considered himself as he sailed to America as a comfortable cabin passenger when he could so easily have been numbered among the thousands of his countrymen who made the same journey under sadder conditions as destitute emigrants. And he now composed an emigrant song which became popular all over America. It was called Goodbye, Johnny Dear. Twenty years ago today I grasped my mother's hand She kissed and blessed her only son Going to a foreign land She clasped me by her loving breast She knew I had to go And I could hear her gentle voice were faint and low Goodbye Johnny dear and when you're far away don't forget your dear old mother far across the sea write a letter now and then and send her all you can and don't You're an Irish man We sailed away from Queenstown That is the Cove of Cork A very pleasant voyage we had And soon we're in New York My good friends came to meet me there I got a job next day but still in memory I could hear my mother's dear voice say Goodbye, Johnny dear, and when you're far away Don't forget your dear old mother far across the sea Write a letter now and then and send her all you can And don't forget wherever you go That you're an Irish man A 
landing in America, Johnny quickly adapted to the faster pace of life and realized that he needed that extra something which would make his act stand out from the countless others on the market. The stage Irishman was emerging at this time, but Johnny would not change his act. While prepared to laugh at himself as an Irishman, he wanted to show there was something deeper in the Irish, a sharp native wit, a keen sense of humour and a musical appreciation. He recalled a song he had learned as a boy and adapted it as his signature tune. The song, The Rambler from Clare, was an old ballad dating from the rising of 1798, but it suited him perfectly, and he was billed in America as Johnny Patterson, The Rambler from Clare. Cooper and Bailey's great London circus had joined forces with Sanger's British Menagerie to make up one of the biggest touring shows in America. Undaunted, Johnny rose to the occasion and was an immediate success, especially in the predominantly Irish areas. His success was assured and his contract renewed for a second season and he appeared before packed houses in Gilmore's Garden, now the 15,000-seater Madison Square Gardens, New York. But Johnny also kept up a prolific output of songs such as Bridget Donahue, A Typical Irishman and The Hat My Father Wore, The St. Louis Democrat. It remained for Johnny Patterson, the noted humorist and vocalist, to eclipse any other clown seen in St. Louis. His song, Bridget Donahue, has a catchy air and will no doubt be hummed by every boy in the city before the close of the week. <laughs> In the county Kerry, a little way from Clare, there the boys and girls are merry at Hutton Race or Fair. The town is called Kilarglen, a pretty place to view. But what makes it interesting is my Bridget Dunahoe. Oh, Bridget Dunahoe, I really do love you. Although I'm in the marriage to you, I will be true. Then Bridget Dunahoe, I'll tell you what I'll do. Just take the name of Patterson and I'll take the Nahoo. Her father is a farmer, a decent man is he. He's liked by all the people from Kilarglen to Trally. And Bridget on a Sunday, when coming home from Mass, she's admired by all the people, sure they love to see her pass. Oh, Bridget the Nahoo, I really do love you. To you I will be true Let Bridget on the whole I'll tell you what I'll do Just take the name of Patterson And I'll take the whole I sent her home a picture I did upon my word Not a picture of myself But just a picture of a bird It was the Yankee Eagle Says I missed on the whole Our eagle's wings are large enough To shelter me and you Oh Bridget on the whole I really do love you, although I'm in America to you, I will be true. Then Bridget and Nahoo, I'll tell you what I'll do. Just take the name of Patterson and I'll take the Nahoo. At the end of his second season, he decided to remain in America. His engagements in the following years were 1877, Tony Pastor's Theatre, 1878, he toured with Howe's Circus and played the theatre Comique, New York. The publishing house of DeWitt published a book of his songs and jokes. 1879 saw him at the Theatre Olympic, Brooklyn. And in 1880, he toured with the great Australian circus, played the New York Aquarium, and then joined the John H. Murray New and Best Show. To make his act even more Irish, 
He bought an old set of Illion pipes and was soon a competent player, delighting audiences with traditional Irish airs and versions of his songs, combining the rather unorthodox sound of Illion pipes and circus band. At the height of his success, sad news reached him from home. His younger daughter Nora had joined her mother's show and had been killed in an accident involving an elephant. But despite being separated from his family, he could not leave the glamour and the wealth he found in America. For consolation, he turned to alcohol. In 1881, he signed a long-term contract as principal clown with the John B. Doris Interocean Show, part of the giant Sells Brothers Circus. His output of new songs continued. Barney Hare, A Good Road and Fire, Shake Hands With Your Uncle Dan, Bold Jack Donahue, and his homesick ballad, Castles in the Air, which was rediscovered during the research for this programme. This world is all a bubble, no matter where we go. There's nothing here but trouble, hardship, toil and woe. Go where we will, do what we may, we are never free from care. And at the best, this world is but a castle in the air. And yet each being loves the land where he sported as a child. The very savage loves his plains, his woods and prairies wild. And I, with a true Irish heart, still wish in Ireland there to sit among her groves and build my castles in the air. By the time he was 45, Johnny was finding it hard to keep up the pace of American circus life. So after an absence of nine years, he decided to return home. He had accumulated a lot of money and, before leaving, was presented with a diamond-studded brooch shaped as a harp in appreciation of his clowning and songwriting. Perhaps the critique that gave him most satisfaction was the one written by the New York Sunday Dispatch. The songs written by Patterson are full of real Irish humour and, unlike many other so-called delineators of Irish character, he tried to elevate his fellow countrymen in the eyes of the public rather than degrade them. Back in Ireland in 1885, Johnny was reunited with his family and he bought a house at 77 Corporation Street, Belfast, where his wife, Selina, was based. Johnny was still a big name in Ireland, despite his absence. He planned to put his own circus on the road, but in the meantime, he joined Lloyd's Mexican Circus. He now had star quality about him and lived up to his international reputation. A visitor to one of Lloyd's venues noted, The Irish clown from New York, in the midst of all, self-satisfied, bland and smoking a large cigar. He was now also drinking heavily, but always paced himself. A colleague said, It was customary for Patterson to have a glass of good Irish whiskey at breakfast, and this continued in lesser amounts for most of the day. He was never fully inebriated, but habitually mellow and good-natured. During March of the following season, 1886, Fred Jeanette's Circus, playing at Ellsford Terrace, Dublin, proudly advertised the world-renowned Patterson. But at the end of the month, Johnny played a week's engagement at Dan Lowry's Star Variety Theatre, now the Olympia, billed as the famous Hibernian clown and Irish piper. He was then booked as principal clown for Powell and Clark's great Paragon Circus, which was touring Ireland. Having learned much from American showmanship, Johnny set about telling his public of his plans by placing bill posters throughout the country, boldly announcing, To the people of Ireland, countrymen, it gives me great pleasure to know that I have been nominated by Mrs. Powell and Clark to be clown of their Paragon Circus. It also gives me great pleasure to know 
that I remain another season in the land of my birth, ere I depart for the land of my adoption. It was my intention to start my own circus, but I arrived at the conclusion that if I did, it should be in a small way, and the time has arrived when the weak must give way to the strong, and small circuses be a thing of the past. The show opened in Belfast in April, and played the main northern towns before heading south. On June the 10th, news reached them in Yall that fierce sectarian street riots had broken out in Belfast, where the previous night seven people had been killed. Johnny feared for the safety of his family because their home was close by to where the riots started in the docks area. The show continued on its way and arrived in Arklow, where an eight-year-old girl, Mary Ann Gormley, was taken by her mother to see Johnny. Now, at 97, she recalls that day. It was up, up they call it the Yellow Lane. That's the way they say it was, was up that way, and up Abbey Street. It was a great excitement in the town. All the people were out, and the houses were all decorated because there was a circus parade going to be, and uh, they were going to see the greatest clown they'd ever known. That was Mr. Patterson. He was a stout, a stout, you know, a jolly-looking man. And had a friendly word for everyone. He wasn't a big man, very pleasant. And always had a kind word for the children. The children were particularly fond of him. And uh, what made them more fond, he always threw them some coppers. I was eight or nine year old. It was me and my brother and other children went to see him. I'd never seen so many children before as I did come to see Johnny Patterson. They wondered what sort of a man he could be. And they were all there to look at Johnny. And Johnny spoke to the children. Of course, he couldn't speak to everybody. But he was very welcome in our club. I think every old woman in the town was out and had a new ca clean cap on. The show moved on to Baltinglass on June 27th, where Johnny received a wire informing him that his wife, Selina, had died of consumption in the Belfast workhouse. There is no record to show that her death had anything to do with the trouble of a fortnight earlier, or indeed, what circumstances brought her to the workhouse. In the tradition of the circus, the show went on, and nobody in the audience that night knew of the contents of the telegram. The two children were sent to his sister's home in Killaloo, and Johnny continued the season. During the summer, the show crossed the path of a small competitor, Keeley's Circus, owned by an Australian, Joe Keeley. A description tells us, It was not a big circus, 12 wagons, 20 horses, and one pole tent. Keeley acted as proprietor, tent master, and ringmaster. Johnny briefly met Keeley, but by the end of the season, he had made a big decision. He would not return to America. Instead, he presented himself at Keeley's winter quarters in Lisnesky with a proposition to become his partner and star attraction. Keeley readily agreed. Business had been bad that season, for in Middleton, his sharpshooter, Harry Lyons, had accidentally shot dead one of the audience during his act, resulting in Lyons' arrest and the public shunning the show. 1887 saw Keeley and Patterson's circus on the road. Johnny's 12-year-old son wanted to become a circus artist and was brought along to learn his business. Johnny's name, as expected, attracted the customers and business boomed. 
In the spring, the show visited the small Westmeath town of Castle Pollard, where Johnny stayed in Hugh Cochrane's boarding house. There he met a young waitress named Bridget, described as a strapping, fine girl in her early twenties, above the average height, dark complexion, and a wealth of black hair. Johnny invited her to the circus, and when he saw her that night in a ringside seat, he sang to her a slightly changed version of his song, Bridget Donahue. Bridget don't know who I really do love you Although I'm in America To you I will be true So Bridget don't know who I'll tell you what I'll do If you take the name of Patterson Then I'll take don't know who The season continued. In July, his daughter Bridget, now 17, married Matthew Thuhi, a Latin teacher from Fecal. The couple settled in Killaloo. Through the rest of the year, Johnny corresponded with the other Bridget, and when the show called at Castle Pollard on the following year, they were married on April the 11th at 6 o'clock between performances in St. Michael's Church there. The best man was Hugh Cochran, Bridget's employer, and after the evening performance... He led on a reception in his boarding house, which is now the town's police station. In 1889, Wayman's, the New York publishers, issued their Irish songbook, which contained five of Patterson's compositions. His prolific output of songs continued with the old turf fire, which, like most of his songs, mirrored his real life with a little poetic license. The third verse makes reference to his new winter base in County Fermanagh. fire and the house swept clean there is no one so contented as myself and paddy keen with the baby in the cradle you can hear her granny say wouldn't you go to sleep alana while i wet your daddy's day oh the man that i work for now of noble blood is he but sure somehow i'd be telling you we never can agree he has big towering mansions he has castles great and tall but i'd not exchange the roof that crowns my own thatched cottage hall So I've got a little house and land as neat as you could see You would never meet the likes of them this side of Lisnesky I've no piano in the room and no pictures on the wall But I'm happy and contented in my little marble hall Oh, the altar fire, what a welcome now it brings As the cricket chirps gaily while the kittle also sings And we all join in the chorus with a merry lilting song And the kindly neighbours dropping in to join the happy throng Early in the season, the show visited Belfast where Johnny was offered an extra engagement at the top rate of £20. There was one condition. He would have to wear an embroidered Union Jack on his costume to pacify the political feelings of the audience. He refused to change from his green outfit with a Celtic harp and declined the engagement. This led to a lot of bitterness, as he was well known and respected by all factions in Belfast. We are told... All around the town you could hear the people say, he's a great man, it's a shame that he's a pip. Johnny was worried about the political situation that existed in the country, as the Parnell issues were the talk of the day. 
he came to the conclusion that the only way for the country to go forward was to unite behind Parnell. So he became a committed supporter. At the height of his Belfast controversy, he reckoned the time had come to make a stand for his convictions, thus taking a step which was to prove fatal. He wrote a political song which called on Irishmen, loyalists and nationalists, to forget their differences and to work together through industry and full employment to build their country. The song he titled, Do Your Best for One Another. It was never published, and a couple of disjointed lines are all that remain of it today. The circus continued on its way through the season of 1889, but business started to decline. Joe Keeley, like Johnny, was a heavy drinker, which caused problems, as was later described by one of the artists that season. Business was none too good. There seemed to be bad feelings all through the show. Bosses, artists, band, and even the tent men seemed unsettled. When in drink, Keeley was generally to be found asleep in the horse tent, while Patterson, on the other hand, stopped at the best hotel in town where he would be fated by all and sundry and would come on in his buggy and trotting cob next morning late, sometimes too late for the matinee. Keeley would have one or two or three weeks of these do's at a time, and then he would straighten up. On Monday, the 27th of May, the circus arrived in Tralee, and Johnny decided to perform his new song. There are two versions of the events which followed, and today, almost 90 years later, it is impossible to prove which of them is true. The account given by several independent eyewitnesses, and later written down by Johnny's 13-year-old son, goes, Johnny came into the ring and sang, Do your best for one another. He carried a small flag in each hand, one was green and embroidered with a harp, the other was red and bore the crown. During the song, he symbolically mingled the two flags together in supposed friendship. But some of the audience, being members of a secret society, calling themselves the New Islanders, objected to his sentiments of cooperation with the crown and hurled abuse at him. Other sections of the audience sprang to his defence and arguments developed, quickly turning into a fierce fight. In attempting to save the circus equipment, Johnny was struck on the head with an iron bar and then kicked before the staff could rescue him. A local doctor named Fitzmaurice arrived on the scene and the patched-up Johnny brought back to Sullivan's Hotel where he was staying and told not to travel with the show until his wounds had healed. Joe Keeley took the show on to their next engagement while Johnny recovered. On Thursday, his illness took a turn for the worst and his doctor ordered him into the Tralee Fever Hospital. By Friday evening, his condition had steadied. Good night, Patterson, Dr. Fitzmaurice said as he was leaving. I'll see you in the morning. And Johnny replied, You may see me, Doctor, but I won't see you. That night, 31st of May, 1889, he died of pneumonia. following afternoon, the circus was playing in Adair. The ringmaster slowly walked to the centre of the ring, stopped the show, and read a wire to the audience, telling them that Johnny had died. Johnny Jr. remembered that moment. The audience went down on their knees and said a prayer. Then the band played a slow, goodbye, Johnny dear.
following day, Sunday, he was buried in the new cemetery, Tralee, in the family plot of a friend, Ted Eager. The local newspapers, however, gave a completely different version of Johnny's death. The Kerry Sentinel reported, Monday night being unusually wet, Mr. Patterson contracted a severe cold which gave him congestion of the lungs. He was admitted to hospital, but his medical attendant could give no hope whatever of his recovery. The Clare Journal, however, carried this report. A scene took place on Monday night when Johnny Patterson came into the ring with an embroidered harp on his back, but over it appeared the crown. This did not suit the nationalist sentiment of a few of the audience who hissed, but finally the majority of the audience put down the hisses and Johnny proceeded with his song. The official death certificate did not refer to a fight, but as it described the twice-married Johnny as a bachelor, their information can't have been very accurate. Joe Keeley and Johnny's widow, Bridget, tried to keep the show going, but without their star attraction, business diminished rapidly and the circus soon disbanded. Records show that less than six months later, Keeley married Bridget in the Fermanagh village of Maguiresbridge, but, we're told, Keeley did not run much longer. His health, worry, etc., finally accounted for his death. Bridget then made a third attempt at happiness by marrying Walter Brewer, the second clown on Keeley and Patterson's circus. Johnny Jr. went to live with his sister in Killaloo, but within a year was working with a circus again. In later years, he ran his own small circus in Ireland, often mistaken for his famous father, but most of his life was spent with shows in England and America. He died in Liverpool in 1950. Thus was broken the Patterson family link with the circus. But for Johnny Patterson, the rambler from Clare, his fame as a songwriter is assured. Again will our thoughts often wander To the scenes of our old childhood home And the friends and companions we left there It was poverty caused us to roam Since then in this life we have prospered But now still in our hearts we feel so For memory will fly to the days now gone by And the stone outside that Murphy's door Those days in our hearts we will cherish Contented although we were poor And the songs that were sung in the days we were young On the stone outside 